0: Welcome everybody to That Recruiter Show. I know it's been a bit of a hiatus, but uh, hopefully uh, you'll welcome us back. And we've got some changes that we can definitely talk about today. So usually we've got Juliet on on the call, but instead today we've got David York. And it's for a great reason. Um, if you don't know, Juliet had an awesome opportunity um, with a, a local company down there in Fort Lauderdale And she decided to take that And so we decided to take a hiatus and see how things were going to work out And during that time, you know, she got super busy We're super happy for for Juliet I think it's a great opportunity for her and her family um, But in the meantime, as we were taking that hiatus Juliet had a great idea and she said, you know what? You should restart the podcast with David And you know, so David is here with us today, and um, you know I'll certainly let let David have an introduction and, and talk a little bit about himself, and then we'll kind of get into today's topics and, and go from there. Sound good, David?
1: Yeah, that sounds great, Rodney. Thank you very much. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really, really happy to be a part of the podcast on a go-forward basis. Um, And just just by way of introduction, though, again, my name is David York. Uh, I most recently was a global recruiting leader at at Amazon Advertising. I've been in the recruiting and HR space for about 25 years, so seen a lot of different things in a lot of different industries. Uh, Spent time uh, as head of talent acquisition in the entertainment industry spent a lot of time, actually, the bulk of my career in professional services at two big, big firms, um, where I really, really grew my career and, uh, went through various, you know, levels of, uh, of, of, my, my career and, and, uh, you know, leadership, individual contributor, the whole nine. So here I am. And I'm very excited to be here. And I've actually really, I'll let you introduce the topic, but I'm really, really excited about this topic. I think it's incredibly timely. Um, and you know, I think it, it, is not an overstatement to say how dramatic the the topic actually is going to be and impact the the entirety of of the world in a lot of different ways. And I think we're going to stick around the kind of how it impacts the workforce for the most part. But what we're going to talk about, I know, has a huge implications in a lot of different areas. Yeah, and it's
0: you know it's forefront on everybody's mind. But I I, I do want to take a step back and 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 just out of out of being sheer, sheer like open kimono with everybody, you were my boss. <laughs> So, so, um, there's a, there's a level of nervousness, like, oh gosh, David was my boss. I better not screw this up.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, uh, you know what? I, I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, that, that is not how I looked at things. It is, you know, it, it, you know, anytime you're in a leadership role and you have other leaders underneath you, it really is more of a partnership is how I look at it. Um, because I certainly can't be successful without you. And, and also Juliet was on my team and, and, and some others. And so for me, it's, it's always a partnership because my success is absolutely contingent on your success and even the people that, that, that you were leading, you know, below you and whatnot. So, so that's, that's how I look at it. And, um, you you get to a certain level and it's, I get it. Hierarchy exists, but the reality in my mind is that everybody has to work together seamlessly, more as partners than than as a hierarchical sort of function.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I was watching Ted Lasso last night. I don't know if you watch that show, but um, I do. I do. I do not. But I've heard many, many good things about it. It is. You know, I I feel like um, it's a really good study. In management, if you if you take it that way. But he was talking to his ex-wife and they were like having some banter. And it's like, gosh, you know what? And, and they were just saying like things that were awkward. And one of them he's like, it's like getting pulled over by a cop who's your age. And you kind of look at him and go, what are we doing, man? Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I tend, I tend to look at, um, the workplace more, um, as, as office space, if you're familiar with that. But, uh, and of
0: course I'm kidding kind of, (laughs) well, there's, there's always, I, you know, I think that was a, a a Mike judge masterpiece. And Mm -hmm. if anyone didn't know, Mike judge also created Beavis and Butthead. Um, and he was an engineer. Yeah. And Beavis and had very highbrow, very highbrow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think it bolstered the career of ACDC and
0: hurt the career of Kip Winger. Cor- correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Kip Winger. I love it. I love it. So, and so sorry, you know, we, ha- I had to go down that road just, just to no, I get it. I um, get it. Just to, just to tease you a little bit too. Um, so, you know, our, our topic today, we, our initial podcast, I think we talked a little bit about this, but I think it's still front of mind. And I think it's evolving so fast. And our understanding is, which is AI. And, you know, I think previously we kind of looked at it specifically, specifically from a recruiting perspective. Um, but I think it's gotten so much more broad. And I think it's a, it's a general topic at this point in the business mm-hmm. world. And what, what bring this about is two things, you know, one is, not Amazon, I'm sorry, IBM has pumped the brakes on hiring. And what they've said is, is we're going to hold hiring on any jobs that we feel AI can replace. Which I think, you know, Bob Dylan wrote a song called uh, Thunder on the Mountain. And I think in one of those lines, it says, you know, the writing's on the wall, come read it, see what it say. And Mm -hmm. that is definitely one of those moments. But I think, you know, you also discussed, and mentioned an art an article on someone coming out of Google. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's, it's really interesting, Rodney. And I think that, you know,
1: when people, when people think about AI, at least maybe this is where, where my head went um is, you know, you think about Skynet and Terminator yeah. and, <laughs> and 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 those kinds of things. And and you know what the, the, the scary thing is is that um you do have leaders out there that are concerned. About AI in that way, right? So I know that, again, you know, IBM's talking about it through the lens of, of of jobs and things right now, but you know, it's got a lot of of other applications too, both good and nefarious, right? And so. The, the article that I, that you and I were talking about off air was, uh, it, it references Jeffrey Hinton, who was the, I believe he, I don't know the exact title, but it was, he was the head of AI for all intents and purposes at Google. And, you know, he, he recently resigned from Google and has said in so many words that, you know, he is, it, it kind of regrets his life work. And I'm paraphrasing here, but, uh, because of the power of ai and i think where his head is and and i don't know i've never talked to him but you know his concern is that you know ai the power of ai is so great and developing so quickly with no brakes on it no regulation and and it could really really turn the tide in a lot of different areas again both for the good and the bad but i think that you know his big concern is is for the bad and if you think about mm-hmm. all the applications of ai not only within the job Area And we'll talk about that in greater depth, but in, in the power of, uh, you know, and this, I hope this doesn't sound too dramatic, but in the power of, of the wrong hands, you know, in, in combat and war and, and, and all these kinds of things, whether it's cyber or, or, more hot war, active, you know, weaponry, those kinds of things. And, you know, I think that we, when we hit with chat GPT last November, and that was an inflection point. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, people are really seeing a lot of kind of the more innocuous uses of chat GPT, but also I think some of the other really strange stuff that's coming out of, of AI. And I can even go down and hold another side. They're, they're talking about, about, you know, just the AI creating not only the beautiful art, but it creates some really scary images. Yeah. Um, I heard one person even frame it up. It was a priest, actually it was in an article I was reading. And again, not to get religious at all about this, but it, but the priest said the the, the demon of AI, you know, and and I thought that was pretty dramatic and again i don't really necessarily have an opinion on that um but i've seen this very scary image that ai created and and mm-hmm. so it's you know it again it's it's got a lot of people i think spinning yeah. um but, but but maybe what's worse is they also have a lot of people i that i think maybe aren't paying attention to it but yet it's going to impact them in their daily lives probably a whole lot faster than then, then certainly they realize if they're not paying attention, but just in general. Right. And again, I know we'll talk a little bit more about the employment side. And I think there's some stats there that I can, that I can quote from some different articles, but overall, you know, AI is, is coming. It is, it is a freight train and there is no avoiding it at this point. It's just a matter of
0: what's going to happen. And I think we've all got to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think there's a lot of threads that people aren't putting together when it comes to AI. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of fears that people have that aren't representative of what the situation actually is. And and by that, you know, we'll take something as simple as people are starting to talk about 32-hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems crazy. You know, you're like, well, hey, as, as a human being, I'm like, hey, cool, <laughs> 32 hours. Yeah, I'm good with it, <laughs> But I, I think... Um, you know, people that are more traditionalists, I'll, I'll kind of say it that way, look at that and go, that's, you know, that's preposterous. And mm-hmm. they're not paying attention to the leaps in productivity that we're now staring down the barrel of. Right. And I think at the same time, you know, if you're more alarmist, you look at AI and say, that's going to take my job, which I, I don't know that's the case. And, I, and so I will kind of give you my thesis on it and, you know, knock it down, do whatever. But, um, you know, we we had a discussion and I think, you know, as I kind of calm down and look at everything, AI to me looks more like a like a calculator. So in the 60s, if you think of NASA or some big engineering company, IBM, whatever, to do a task, there might be 50 engineers in a room with slide calculators doing all of these things to to make this product or or to to achieve this engineering feat as you start to get computer aided design and calculators automating that it's not that it said engineer you're not needed but it made it more efficient and it, it increased their productivity to the point where you didn't need 50 people in a room you now needed 10 but it, right. it, it wasn't one-to-one saying i'm going to do the engineering for you it's you have a human brain that is particularly good at imaginative things, connecting dots that AI, you know, I don't think it's there yet, maybe one day, but for the time being, what it can do is make you sitting in the seat 10 times more productive because you don't have to do a lot of things. You don't even, you know, Oh, I've got to do this copy edit. Well, Okay, what do you think of that? Oh, that looks pretty good. I'm just going to edit those couple of words. So there instead of spending an hour writing something, you've just spent ten minutes editing. Um, those types of things, I think, is you know, are where we're going to see this happen first, rather mm-hmm. than I'm going to replace a whole person in the system. And you know, my warning to everyone, <clears throat> pardon me, is if you are in a human intensive process built with human bottlenecks, and to be honest, David, we live and grew up in an industry that is built on human bottlenecks. For better or for worse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piss off some HR people here. So stay with me. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, Make it happen. I love HR people. You know, my, I used to say, like, I, I'd walk into a room and I'd be the only guy in the HR team there. I'd be like, hey, I'm just one of the girls. And I, I loved it. I loved HR. I love talent management. I love recruiting. But one thing that HR has a bad habit of doing is architecting and designing processes that are human centric, meaning there is a human in the middle of it and a human who's making a judgment call. And there is a very, very strong pull to keep that there in, in the sense that mm-hmm. someone from HR has to make that decision. Yep. Someone has to gatekeep that that point. I don't think it's going to be necessary anymore. Yeah. And the value of HR, it's it's put up or shut up time. And I, I include myself in this. So so, you know, when I say this, I'm looking at the mirror, but I'm also saying Jacuzzi, Jacuzzi, you," right? To, to turn a phrase. Mm-hmm. But it is. For 20 years now. The industry has really said, we want to be strategic. We want to be a strategic HR partner. We want to partner with you. We want a seat at the table. What these technologies now do is if you are strategic and you want to be a true partner, you're going to clean your own house and you're going to automate your processes. So you don't have a team of 50 people that are administratively doing things that are again, they're just administrative tasks and Mm -hmm. you're going to free up your time and your budget to then go focus on that. Because I think on the flip side of that, other teams kind of look at it and and as soon as you try to be HR, a strategic HR person, they go, well, you can't even get payroll right, or you can't even do this right. And, you know, so I think it's put up or shut up time for that, for our industry. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I honestly, Ronnie, could not agree more. And, I would even broaden it. I think that there's there's other areas too, and, and we've even seen some of this, right? If you think about like stock traders and things, right? How mm-hmm. how that shifted with with algorithms and and things, and that's not even as advanced as where I think AI is going. So I think that at, I think there's a lot of areas in any corporation, particularly what I'm going to call, well, I guess a stock trader would technically be a a, a profit center, but the, the cost centers, right? So it's finance, HR, legal, all mm-hmm. those things, you know, where they're absolutely. It's, it's, it's going to be a strategic function, but it's going to look different. And to your point, I think all the administrative stuff or most of the administrative stuff, maybe all will, uh, will go away, um, and be, and be handled by, by AI or computer or a robot or (laughs) however (laughs) advanced you think, you know, you know, you you think you want to go with this. Um, but, but I 100% agree. And I think that, you know some of the stats like that I mentioned earlier. You know they're talking about. Um, so I also read a, uh, another article, and this is in Forbes that you know so Goldman Sachs predicts that uh, 300 million jobs could be lost or diminished by AI. That's 300 amazing. million, and I, and I want to say that it's in the The global. And that's like in the next five or 10 years. Um, so it's not immediate, but it's, but that's dramatic. Right. And so I think what people need to think about though, is this, is, you know, that sounds like the harbinger of doom, but at the same time, other jobs will be created, Mm -hmm. you know, and the other, and, and a lot of jobs will then also be, um, you know, just changed, right? Kind mm-hmm. of like what we're talking about with HR or you can say with finance or legal or whatever. And and so I think that people just have to really think about what skill set do they bring to the table, how do they think about things. Um do they need a retool? Yeah. Um you know, w- whatever it is so that, so that they can be prepared for the future, which is really no different than if in HR speak, right. You know, HR used to be called personnel, yeah. you <laughs> know, and it was very much a paper pushing function and HR was, was seen as the police and, and arguably, you know, in a lot of companies, I think that's still the perception. Sure. And yeah. so, um, you know, and in companies, I think that are, that are a little bit beyond that. You know, HR has become strategic. However, there is all that lingering stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that it, it, it's just going to be a matter of people adapting to what's happening. Um, the other thing that's interesting, I, th- I think, kind of on the same line, is if you look through the company lens of all this, other stats that I read, another one from Goldman was that it's going to increase global GDP by 7% over the same time frame.
0: Yeah, the productivity
1: Um, is amazing on it, right? So productivity is amazing. PwC, I think it's 15 trillion uh, and like uh, contributing 15 trillion. Um, But then you flip it and and it's like it feels like the little guy's going to get crushed. And while I think that there's absolutely an element of that and you can start talking about wealth gaps and all those kinds of things if you want. But at the same time, um, you know, I believe, again, it's going to be just it's it's
0: who adapts or who doesn't. And that's yeah. the same as it's been for forever. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we, we've kind of talked, we touched on this a little bit, but it's, I feel bad for some people in, in across the world, right. It doesn't matter what your industry, because right. there are highly administrative tasks that happen. And, and, you know, again, full disclosure, I am very squarely of, of the mind of I'm trying to invent the train. That's going to roll people over. I'm not going to wait. Um, I'm, trying to develop the software and, and finding the right partners. So if you're a machine learning or natural language processing expert and would like to partner with me, feel free to, to give me a call. But, you know, if if you hang your hat on an administrative process and, and I'll bring it back to our industry, right. <clears throat> you're a junior recruiter. And what's the first thing you do? They, they slam me with a ton of resumes and you've got to then learn how to process a resume. And it's it's a very administrative task. There's no reason that a person can do that versus an algorithm. And, you know, there's some uh, kind of a paradox to that, too, because there are people involved. You have to limit the amount of data that they can ingest realistically. So you start to get guidance that keep your resume to a page, keep your, keep your resume to two pages. But when you're talking about an algorithm, the more information you have, the more accurate it is, so you're talking about a system that can then take, <clears throat> rather than a commercial about your career, right? Here, give me the 30 second pitch, and I'll tell you if, if we're going to proceed. You can be very descriptive and and adjust that to a job description and be very descriptive. And that algorithm is going to read that in you know nanoseconds versus you know a little thought experiment here. You're at a desk, you've got 200 resumes to go through. They are, you know, what do you spend 30 seconds or a minute kind of doing a first first pass on it They're They're page or two pages? What happens if, when you get a seven, 10 page resume? Ugh. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, and you don't look past page two, probably. Right, right. But if you're an algorithm, that's great because you then have so much more information. You can make a much richer decision um, on that candidate. And so I think that is one example of where automation is going to decimate, you know, a function, right? So if, if you hang your hat as a recruiter, being able to read resumes, that's not a good thing to do at this point, because I can tell you personally, I'm coming after you. I'm trying to develop the software that's going to displace you. Um, not just that, right? It's, I, I want to do different things, but... Um, you're going to get displaced and where we're going to be able to hang our hat is to then start to think at a higher level on, and again, it's back to that strategic HR conversation. How can you incorporate these things into an architecture and how can you guide that process along with stakeholders? Because you're no longer needed to do these really administrative things. It might feel good for you to be able to do that, but Really, the key at this point going forward for people is how do I think this through to incorporate that technology into my function? Mm-hmm. That is where you're going to to be of value. So I think, you know, mid to late career folks, we have those tools to start thinking that way. We no longer have to really worry about the administrative things. The things that I concern myself are people who are younger in their careers. What are they going to yeah. do? Yeah, no, and
1: I think it's—I think it's—it's it's a very, very real concern, and I—and I will say this, Rodney. I—if um, you don't develop the software, somebody will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I would argue that IBM is already probably going down this, a similar path. Right. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Google or Amazon or any of the tech giants aren't, aren't doing something similar. Right. hundred um, percent. I think, I think where the, what's going to be interesting. And I think this is where, if you're young in your career or even older in your career, um, or oh, sorry, I should probably say more seasoned in your career. <laughs> um, like no, no ageism here. no oh, look, I got um, um, Okay. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm with you. But, um, <laughs> but um, is, where can you position yourself in whatever it is that you do where you you can't or shouldn't take the human out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is still we are still people, and there is an element of humanity that we like um, in certain things, right? And you can argue if you're talking about McDonald's, do I care if a robot hand hands me my cheeseburger mm-hmm. probably versus a person? Probably not, but if I'm a candidate and I'm trying to get a job at, you know, whatever. And, you know, if you can shuffle me through all the way and I never actually talk to a human, that's probably not going to be a good experience for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's gotta be some Mm -hmm. point in that process where you're dealing with a human and, and is that a recruiter that's kind of closing you a little bit? Is, is it something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where the strategy and the value of recruiting is really going to come in is that point where, AI, even if AI could do it, it may not be the best solution at that point. Right, right. You know, because to your point, you can you can push a person through a lot of different points in a hiring process strictly with AI. You mm-hmm. know, um, even even down to something. You know, and some companies do assessments now, and some do not. Um, and by the way, assessments statistically actually are quite good if they're set up correctly mm-hmm. in in the predictability of how somebody's gonna be successful in a job. So if you have even assessments along the way and can predict that, you know, Joe Smith has a 78% chance of really being successful in this job. And by the way, assessments take into account not only technical skills, but cultural fit and, and the whole enchilada that everybody is concerned about. Um you know, even even if you can get to that point, there's still got to be some element of human interaction because I, I just think that I just think that that people are people, and you can't 100% take people out of the equation when it comes to certain experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think recruiting is both a process and an experience. And so, you know, so again, going back, I think that's where like a young recruiter or even a more seasoned recruiter needs to think about it. Where can you add value? Like where, where is that point where you still need that mm-hmm. human interaction and then be really, really good at that. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, I think going to separate the, the, the ones that will, Succeed and thrive from those that probably fall out and think about something else to do.
0: Yeah. And, and I think at our level, right, it's like, thankfully, you know, we're, we're not necessarily at that level where we're, we're kind of turning and burning, smiling and dialing and all that stuff. Right. To your point, and I think this is going to spread out across a lot of functions, not just our function. It's going to become a process engineering job, which is to say, at its core, I want to develop a relationship in the, in the case of talent acquisition, what is the best point for me to check in and start that and do that right. in, in a system of all these other technologies? I no longer have to, cause you know, it, it, to be honest with you, engineers get sick of like having technical conversations with recruiters, they don't wanna do it. And, and I think some people find it patronizing to have a recruiter asking them those questions, but you don't, mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to do that anymore. If, if you design your system right, right? So mm-hmm. can you let that go as an organization and and let the tools or develop the tools to do it and really kind of focus on the relationship and let that process work itself out? Because a recruiter probably doesn't need to be involved on the technical screening process anymore. Right. And but what they can do is get someone really excited and, and prime the pump. For a conversation with a functional team that can then really kind of carry that through and have the gravitas to do that with them, um, I don't know that companies are necessarily thinking that way today. Though, I mean, do you?
1: I, I don't think so. I think you've got some of the the, the tech giants that are simply, well, and also because, you know, one, that's kind of their, their space, right. It's innovation and, and technology, right. And this falls squarely in there and they have the, the capital mm-hmm. to explore it. Yeah. You know, so if you're, if you're a mid-sized company or small company or, you know, or a mom and pop kind of thing, you're absolutely not thinking that way. Or even if you are thinking that way, maybe that's your, your thing you know, it's like, the reality is, how do you get that off the ground? How do you really put that into action? How do you, right. you know, how do you operationalize something like that? And then it becomes something that like, well, I just, I just can't even worry that that's too big of a task. I don't have the funding. It's a non-starter. Why should I even think about mm-hmm. it? Um, you know, so I do, I do think that, that, that that's absolutely right. And, and I don't remember that, but you know, most, most businesses in the economy
0: are small businesses. Yeah. And, and, you and know? I, I will qualify and, that though, David, I, I do want to, Say, and I think we both know this, right? I just want to make sure so, so the listeners aren't going, you're full of it. I think most TA people are concerned about the experience of a candidate. And I think oh, yeah. what we're talking about is the architecture of that experience in balance with your tech stack, right? Oh, my God. 100%. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because I am a giant
1: believer. Anybody that's ever worked with me for me you know, whatever, um, understands that the candidate experience for Mm -hmm. me is, is everything as is, as is the stakeholder experience, right? So it's the hiring manager, it's leadership that wants to know what's going on. It's anybody that's, that's kind of, you know, around the process. I think everybody has to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. I just think that experience will look different going, you know, as AI starts to take hold more, it doesn't mean that that
0: experience has to go away, but it, but it will look different. You know, I think you can make it qualitatively better because agree. And again, I'll bring it because, hey, it's that recruiter show, right? So we're going to talk about recruiting. If you if you look at some of the things that, that I listen to, to people say, again, I, I think professionals that are, you know, senior level software developer finds it patronizing to have a junior recruiter asking them technical questions and, and, and going through that. And to be honest with you, it falls on deaf ears. You're just taking notes and passing those on. So if, if you can eliminate that process from from, you know, a candidate, And and put them in a position where they feel that that their experience has been properly evaluated or fairly fairly evaluated. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. And, And it comes back to what I was saying. Right. So if you've got a system in place where you no longer have to tell someone to summarize 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, five years of experience in a page. You can make that as long as you like. Submit two documents, submit one for the system, submit one brief for, you know, The recruiting team or whoever wants that be as detailed as you can. And Mm -hmm. we can then have a much higher, you know, confidence as we move forward. I think that removes some agita from candidates, right? Because Mm -hmm. how many times have you looked at a resume and go and inferred based on experience, like they've probably done this, but I, you know, I'm just going to have to have the conversation to make sure you no longer have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. With the right systems in place. So I I think qualitatively, to your point, we can change that experience for people for the better because your experience with a recruiter then becomes not, oh, gosh, this, you know, this 25-year-old psychology grad is going to, to now make a recommendation on my technical skills. Right. Right. And instead of that experience a candidate has, it becomes... Wow, this person is is just focused on me and what do I want to know about the company and they're just telling me more about the company, the culture and and it's it's a much more seamless seamless mm-hmm. thing, right? So I think it gives a qualitatively better experience if you can do that. Yeah, and
1: I think there's a, there's two other things to think about in that as well that I think are actually really really good for the candidate and the company is one is speed. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, I've been in a number of places where speed is an issue and it goes back to what you're talking about, the human bottlenecks of it all. Right. Um, and so, uh, I think the speed will be enhanced significantly, Mm -hmm. which everybody loves, right? Hiring managers love that candidates love that. Um, the other is particularly when you start to talk about like evaluating candidates is if, if this is set up correctly, it can remove bias. Right. Right. And so, um, I know that there's been some iterations of some AI out in there in the world and some companies where they have found it's the opposite, right? The AI actually (laughs) had bias (laughs) and they were able to document that. Right. And so, um, you know, and I think that that's good that they were able to document that, and figure that out, right? Because that's absolutely what you don't want. But I think that's also part of the the iterative process of making this better. Right. And so I think that, though, to your point about like you could put in a longer resume, um, and I think some people won't do that particularly those more seasoned in their career because they don't they're afraid of the ageism mm-hmm. side of things. Which by the way, you know, I, I, I believe is real in some places, unfortunately. And and so but if you can remove that, if you can remove any any of the biases that you can think of uh, will no longer matter. And it will be more skill based and competency based and culture based and, and all of the things that we're trying to figure out when we're talking to a candidate is, is going to be is is going to be exciting and it'll happen faster, um, you know. And and even if you look at statistically, right, the, the, we try to do a lot of things to make the interview process more objective. You know, behavioral interviewing, <laughs> whatever, right. And um, it still comes down to, though, it's almost a coin flip at the end of the day, Yeah. you know, on will this person be successful or not? And and, and you can go down a whole different rabbit hole of what makes somebody successful once they come into a company, which I will I will just leave on the table and not touch at this point. Um, But the reality (laughs) of it is, but the the reality of it is, is that it's not much better than a coin flip, you know. And so Mm -hmm. if you can leverage A.I. to increase your probability through all these things we've already talked about and do it quickly, um, that's a winning proposition in all kinds of different ways. Right. And so I'm, I'm personally excited where AI can go in this space because, again, I think it, it has the power to make things better. Um, but I just think that people need to be aware of, of what it means for them specifically because there's going to be human cost here. So I don't want to just glance over that. Um, but it's up to each individual person to be aware, figure out how they can fit in to sort of the new normal, if you will, that's going to be, that's going to be caused by AI, which quite frankly is something that, that people have done, you know, for forever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, you can go back to the start of the industrial revolution and you think about the printing press and all these different things, right. right? You know, and how, and how people have had to adapt over time, um, and do different things to, to make themselves more relevant in the market the The one thing though, and I will go back to this wealth gap of it all, is you know we've also as technologies in as has improved, I'll say or gotten more vast or however you want to frame that, there has been an increase in the wealth gap with between more I'm going to call them more the white collar and the blue collar, and so mm-hmm. I think there has to be something, and I don't know what this thing is, I don't have a solve for this, there has to be something sort of in the mix to make sure that everybody has a chance to i'm going to say upskill in the right way such that they can become part
0: of this more AI-centric, digitized type economy? Yeah, I, I, that's a huge question. I think we were there like in the 2000s, right? So we saw the same thing starting to happen with with Web 1.0. And mm-hmm. how did what was the best way to, get, to adapt at that point? And I think we're, we're at the same place. So I, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on kind of how or what to watch out for? If you're in that, if you're, if you've got a certain mindset or you're doing a certain job, A, you need to flag it yourself and start looking. But what do you move to, right? So what do you, how do you upskill in this kind of world?
1: Man, that is such a, that is such a million dollar question um, or billion dollar question probably. I, you know, I, I, I think that it just, it kind of depends where you are both in your career and whatever profession you're in. I think, I think that there is always going to be like, if you go way back and, and I don't know if you ever watched micro dirty jobs or anything like oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but micro talks a lot about, um, trade schools and, and getting a skill. I think that whether it's a trade school or otherwise, I'm not necessarily advocating for trade schools. Although I, th- I think they can be really great for a lot of people, um, is that you've got to figure out a skill mm-hmm. and, And that skill can't be kind of lost in the paper pushing or, or, or sadly, even I think code writing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because AI is, is is pretty adept at writing code. And so um, I, I just, I think though, that if you've got somebody and I'll stick with the software development person for a minute, that person is so technically competent that I've got to believe that, that they can skill themselves in such a way taking what they already know, whether it's through their education or through their education and experience in some other direction, because technology will exist. And these are really bright technical people in a general sense. So I think their skills are really transferable Mm -hmm. Uh, into what yet. I don't really know, because I think that some of that is contingent on where things go. But at the same time, um, if you're looking just more broadly across the market, sort of top to bottom, you know, I would frame it as probably just You make sure that you have a relevant skill that people need um, and and think through, you know, I think the million dollar question goes back to can AI replace this, whatever this is? Mm -hmm. And if you think that that's the case, you might want to think about moving in a direction that's maybe, you know, ancillary to what you do, but is in a space that maybe AI can't so readily take over, at least not in the near term. Right. Um, you know, because I don't think we're in any danger back to my Skynet comment, right, of the Terminators <laughs> taking over and and, and and whatnot. But, you know, you talk you say I've seen stuff with Elon Musk and 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 whatnot too, and you know, there there is that fear that like, well, what happens when, and it really becomes a win, I think, at least in in the eyes of these experts, of which I am not an expert, so I'll take their word for it, that AI will get to a point where it is smarter than people. Uh, and that is going to be a pretty scary inflection point. And I don't even know what to make of that because is, is that literally the the point where, you know, it will turn evil on you or it will be good or whatever it is. Um, you know, and I don't think that's around the corner, you know, and even the experts are saying that's not like in the next couple of years or five years, but probably is coming. Mm -hmm. And, and so I hope that we, figure out as people and certainly the experts in the field, how to harness this in such a way that it is used for good and can help people. But I also know, and I'm not naive enough to think that there are bad actors in the world. You know, you know, not everybody is benevolent. Not every country is benevolent and not every country leadership, I should say, is benevolent. There's great people everywhere, but um, that may want to use it for for very nefarious purposes, you know, for power, for money, all those all the things that, you know, that are that can be that can be pretty scary. So it's I you know, that's my rather long winded uh, answer to your question, Ronnie. But I think you could sum it up is. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just have a lot of thoughts
0: around it. That's very well it is a billion dollar question, right? And I think to what you're saying, you know, skilled trades and things like that, I think are safe. Like if you're a welder, this isn't going to isn't going to kill you. But if if you're sitting in a payroll department or benefits department processing benefits changes and payroll changes, please be careful and and start looking yep. at options, right? That's, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, it's probably just good to do anyway, but, um, and I think, you know, that's kind of the red kind of flag that I, that I'm thinking, right. If, if that's the kind of mm-hmm. work that you're doing and you feel that you excel at, I think that's exactly what's in the crosshairs. Yep. Um, and you know, the only thing I can, I can say as I come back to, to AI being a calculator, if you're good at working with concepts and models and putting things together, it's just going to make you that much better. And and I think if if you can hone that skill, and and get really good at it, and I think that's that's where your software developers come in, right? They can conceptually think of something, and start to put code together, to do those things and systems together mm-hmm. and integrate those systems. I think if you're that type of person, this just takes you to another level, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like uh, the assembly line that Ford created, but for knowledge work. Yep. And
1: 100%, 100%. it's funny, right? It just made me think of a story. And this is back in my days at a large um, aerospace and defense uh, contractor. There was, we were recruiting an AI uh, student out of MIT. Mm -hmm. And his big concern with coming to a defense contractor was like, well, you guys build things that hurt people and kill people you know it fair fair and we used to get that quite a bit from from a lot of people and i think it's a very fair thing to think about um but one of the things that um the the, the I, I love the story the hiring manager said you know he said like if i build ai this is the student saying if i build ai in something you know a, a drone or whatever that's going over to you know name your name your your war zone that's that's trying to, you know, kill the bad guys. Um, who's to say that it won't turn on the good people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whatnot. And the response from the hiring manager, I thought was brilliant. He's like, well, that's why we need people like you to make sure that the AI doesn't do that. Yeah. You know? And I thought that that, you know, and, and that's where I think that to your point, you know, these, these folks that are in that space, especially have, I don't know, it's it, it, like a duty to make sure that, that this stuff is, is done the right way such that it hopefully doesn't turn into something really negative for a lot of people. Now I think you can argue it's negative if it starts to take jobs, but I, but again, I go back to, I think that's inevitable. Yeah. You know, that is a technology progression. And we've, we've seen this before in different ways, but, um, but again, the sooner you see it, the more you think about it, the more you can get out of the way and figure out how you can jump on the train, whether they get run over by the train. And so, um, but anyway, I just wanted to share that story
0: because I think that it's, I think it's important. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of those things, right? So it is inevitable, as you say, right? Someone, a bad actor is going to try something if they're not trying something already. But how can you change the ethics around an industry? Because Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, I don't feel comfortable with the level of ethics in the the tech industry. Mm -hmm. The entire idea that we're products when it comes to attention economy kind of things, um, you know, selling my my behavioral search history to, to advertisers, things like that. I think that's, that's already to a point where you introduce AI into that type of um, I don't want to say it's that behavior, but if you, if that mentality where I am a product and my behavior is a product to be taken advantage of, and you know, you have an algorithm that can say, I have a tendency to do this. And if you, if you put me in this situation, I'll behave this way. Mm -hmm. I think you're already in a bad spot. And I think that's where we are today. I, I 100% agree with you. And
1: you even think, and, and when you were saying that, Rodney, what it made me think of was social media specifically and social media targeted, and it is targeted in a large part toward kids. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen, there are statistics that where we've seen how that impacts behavior, depression, all of these different things, which by the way, have got exa- exacerbated by the pandemic. But, um, and nobody's really putting significant guardrails on any of that mm-hmm. because again, that generates revenue. And and so so nobody is stopping it because of that, despite what they say at certain companies, and I think mm-hmm. that they'll remain nameless so that we don't get in trouble. But I think I everybody think can probably to guess, figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, you know, but you get lip service from leadership of those companies that, oh, no, no, we're, you know, this safe. Um, you know, it's kind of like, so what did, um, what did the, the, the pharmaceutical company who also I will not name, you know, they talked about, no, opioids are safe, they're safe, yeah. you know. Hey, they were saying and, smoking and it, is safe. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you go back, right, you can, you can, yeah. it's so it's like, so you can see how, how, how that can go. And I think that we're, this is a different kind of thing that, and I'm not even saying social media is necessarily bad on its face, But it it, it is certainly not
0: all being used for the good of society. Well, I think the core of it is look at the current state of of technology and ethics and where AI is walking into. We are Mm -hmm. walking into a a world where there is no firewall in your personal Mm -hmm. life. It is, you know, people are transmitting their entire lives out there for everyone to see. You introduce AI into that, and the 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 manipulation factor goes through the roof. It's already bad, right? Yeah. So, you know, how do you change those ethics? I, I'm not asking you in the sense that I expect you to do it, right? But it's. I, I think to you know the guy at Google who quit because he wants to talk about these things. I think that's you know I think some things got to change around here.
1: I. I, I am with you. I 100% agree because it's it it is a, it is a scary thing, and it's funny too. You know, you think about and again, I don't want to go down in anything like political, but I'll just keep it at, at, at what I'm going to say here is that you know, as we roll into the 2024 election um, with AI, you know, it it it. You know, it can send out tweets, it can do different things on Facebook, it can do things, um, you know, it can manipulate, you know, it's like all these deep fake images, like, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that that AI can do to influence people's behavior mm-hmm. through um, through things that are just straight up disingenuous and lies. Right. And, and, th- and so this is, and this is a both sides kind of argument that, you know, so I'm not talking about, you know, you know, red, the red does this and the blue does that kind of thing. It's like, it's just, it's, I think it's just all over politics, but nonetheless, I think that, you know, things like that are go- are, are very real and we're going to see more and more of it as we move toward the 2024 election here in the United States. And, and in that's scary, even on its face to me, because to your, to your point, the ethical guardrails just don't exist in a material way. And so I think that it's, you know, back to your question, I think it's incumbent upon, you know, even, even the little people like us to talk about it, talk about it, get other people thinking about it. maybe, you know, it's, maybe get some other other people that can do something else about it. I don't, I don't know. Right. But, but until it is something that is talked about in a broader way, and I think this goes back to what we we're talking about earlier is that not a lot of people are even broadly aware probably of, of, of the power of AI and what's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and because it's simply, and that's not a, that's not a knock on any, any individual people. It's just, it's new. you know, if you're not paying attention, it's new, it's brand new. And if you're not, you know, if you're not paying attention, it's going to sneak up on you. And again, that's no fault of theirs. It's just, it's just the reality. But, but I think that um, the more awareness there is of it, the more knowledge there is of it, then, then hopefully through different, whether it's how we vote or for who we vote um, or who we hire or how we regulate, all of those things can 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 hopefully put some level of, of you know, whether it's forced ethical guardrails, right? So I think through like regulation um, or you just get people to think about it. And hopefully they, they then really do want to do the right thing, you know, and you can't always count on that, but but there are a lot of good people in the world. And so I feel like the more people that are aware, the more of that you can hopefully gin up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it even gets to the personal level to the, in the sense that, and you see this, right. People are making deep fakes of stars and, in, in, in bad situations. Right. Yep. And you've got a little girl, I've got two little girls and, and you know, what if like they're in high school and somebody like decides to tease them and put them like do use a deep fake to do something stupid. And, you know, that's, you know, it, that's scary stuff and it's it's within the realm of possibility today um yeah but there's nothing stopping that right so right if even if you if you try and categorize that under bullying i can tell you right now like our local school system it it won't matter it won't do anything if someone did that Mm -hmm. right there's no bullying policy that's gonna really do anything of of any consequence right yeah that is a
1: very scary thing um and that goes back to my comment about social media, particularly in young, young folks. Like it's, it's a very scary thing. And then the more advanced it gets, it, it's, it's scarier in that space because you've got, you've got people that are in, that are still developing their brains. Right. Mm-hmm. But, no, but, no but know enough to know how to do something probably not so good, but not understand the full con, yeah. but but not it's understand funny, the full right? consequences of their actions. Right. Yeah. They think in the moment that maybe it's not as big of a deal as it really is and how mm-hmm. catastrophic it really is. Um, you know, so I don't know, that takes me back down to the parenting conversation, um, which I will, I'll leave that one on the table. Maybe that's a whole different uh, <laughs> podcast down the road for us. Um, you know, but, but yeah, that, but all of it is all of it's scary, but you know, I'll bring it back to the positive. There's a lot of good that I think yeah. will come out of all this as well. You know, I, I really do. And I think, though,
0: people have to pay attention and adapt. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's part of humanity has done a good job at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, my philosophy is, to be honest with you, and, and you've probably seen this in me, it's like, we got to take care of each other. Yep. Call me a socialist, communist, or whatever. But you know what? I don't think me being good to you makes me a communist or a socialist or whatever like that. Just me being no. a good human being. and And I think we have to look at each other that way. And um, you know, that's I guess that's all I gotta say about it. But
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree though. Yeah, if we all take care of each other, truly, if we all take care of each other, that's not a political thing, that's a human thing. It it is the world to be a better place. So now we're getting highly philosophical. Yeah. So we, we could um, probably
0: end it on this. So I think, you know, yeah, if, you know, I, I I think we illustrated the good and the red flags that people need to kind of watch out for and hopefully, you know, get our people in our industry at least starting to think this way. And yeah. if we've done that today thank you that's all i wanted to do and and if we kind of tweak your thinking or challenge you great and if you disagree let us know you know um you know yeah. we'll we'll leave our email in the uh in the uh intro so you can kind of get in touch with us if you have questions or 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 just want to talk to us about this stuff um yep yep
1: Absolutely. And we appreciate and we appreciate the comments um, and we appreciate the challenge. You know, if somebody somebody disagrees with something, you know, all we ask is that, you know, keep it respectful and and we can uh, and we can all and we can all debate it because this is an unsettled issue. And so I think the more debate on this, the more reasonable debate on this, I should say, the better off we're all going to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. So what did you think? First podcast? Did you enjoy it? You coming back next week? (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely. I very much enjoyed, very much enjoyed it. Um, hopefully I didn't ramble too much in my, uh, in, in my thinking, but, um, no, I sincerely enjoyed it. And I think that, And I will just say, for me, talking about important topics like this, you know, certainly as it relates to recruiting, which is, you know, the space that you and I live in day to day. Um, but I think that a topic like this, and it only impacts that, but it has such a larger impact. And I enjoy talking about this stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. truly because I think it's important. And again, it goes back to my, my comment about the the healthy debate of it all. You know, I really think that the more, the more minds, that focus on this, particularly the ethics of this, the better off we're all going to be, and I think it will just will just get to better better solutions
0: and better outcomes if if we do that. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I formed some great relationships from this podcast from people who just reached out and and wanted to great. chat about things, and I love it. So you know, please don't be shy. You know, I, I would say don't be shy. Reach out to David and I were pretty approachable dudes. I'd say. I would, I
1: would say so. Yeah.
0: Happy to, talk, happy, happy to, happy to chat with anyone. So it's, uh, it's, truly
1: really been a pleasure, Rodney. Um, and, uh, you know, look forward to, to, to continuing this momentum and, and, uh, in covering lots of other, you know, important topics as we go. Yep.
0: You got it. And, you know, thanks for joining us, everyone. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And again, if you if any questions you comments, reach out to us and let us know, but thanks. Appreciate it. You guys listening to that recruiter show.